theyeshiva.net. In yesterday's class, the third class in the Maimra, the Balatanya explored that really powerful and such so relevant question of what do I do when I don't care? And I don't care that I don't care, and I don't care that I don't care that I don't care. I simply don't feel. It's like you're talking about I'm searching for something lost. For that, I have to feel that there's something lost. So if I feel that there's something lost, and I'm longing for it, I'm searching for it, and he says, go back to the place where it was lost. And in the month of Elul, that inner self, that inner core is, is accessible. The king is in the field, which means your king is in the field. Your essence, your divine infinity, your Yisrael, Sarkel, infinity can rule you. It's accessible to you. It's there, it's coming into the field, meaning into your natural, uh, organic, uh, real, authentic space. And you can, you can open yourself up to it. The king is in the field is not just a cosmic metaphor for a field outside of us. It's talking, it begins all inside of me, inside my own brain, inside my own heart, inside my own, my own soul. Got it. But then he says, there may be somebody who's completely unmoved, completely unmoved. And I'm not moved by the fact that I'm unmoved. I'm not perturbed. I'm not bothered. So the Alter Rebbe says, what you need is even more compassion. What you need is not more judgment. What you need is more compassion. Because this is a deeper level of detachment. There is that my nails get stubbed and I feel the pain. I scream, oi! Because there's a holistic, organic oneness in the organism. And every part of the body is connected to the brain and the brain feels the pain even of an event that occurs to a toenail. But when the nail is detached, when you cut your nails, now the nail gets stopped after it's cut. There's no pain because it's detached. So he says every Jew is always connected. You Yisrael, who you're still Yisrael. Yes, your kale may be in shackles. Your kale may be in captivity. Your kale, Yisrael, may be in Golos in exile. But he says you can't compare a king in exile to a peasant in exile. You can't compare a royal in captivity to a peasant in captivity. And in one moment, he or she can transform themselves. It's a different type of captivity. The nobility and the dignity comes through even in captivity, even in exile. So, Afal pi and my kale may be in exile, Yisrael, who is still a Yisrael. But this person who's completely not feeling anything, there's no pain of my divinity in exile, is it because I'm detached? In the physical metaphor, I'm just detached. I'm cut off from my source. But Alter Rebbe says, of course, in the Nimshal, it doesn't mean you're really cut off. It just means consciously, it's as though you're cut off. So what's necessary is even more compassion. Not judgment, but compassion. Midas harachamim, he says. Compassion is the ultimate antidote because compassion, as I said in the previous class, has that unique magic that it's not naive, 
and it's not judgmental. When I can have compassion on something, it can open up. When it's attacked, it closes up. When I have compassion, you know the... (laughs) just came to me. When you eat a peach, the nut inside the peach is something that you can't crack. Try it. The I said the nut, sorry, the pit. The pit in the peach is something you can't crack. You could try it. It is so tough. It is so harsh. It's actually one of the harshest materials on earth. It's very interesting. The pit in a peach. Try it next time. <laughs> try biting on it. Not too hard. You're going to hurt your teeth. You know why that is? You know why Mother Nature dictated so? The reason is because that pit contains within it the seeds so that the peach can propagate itself. There can be reproduction, there can be birth of a new generation of peach trees. So those seeds are protected very well because that's the future. It's the most precious part. It's what guarantees peach continuity, peach survival. And you know what releases those uh, those uh, those seeds? Nothing. Besides one exception, when you when the pit goes back into the earth, so the earth opens it up, <laughs> and the seeds fall into the earth, so there could be a new generation of trees. This is the ex- extraordinary part of botany that every single plant, every flower. Every, every fruit, every vegetable. It wasn't just created a fruit or a vegetable. As the Pasuk says in Bereshis, Each species and each particular plant and flower and tree, it came also with the mechanism to be able to propagate, and it has its unique mechanism of how that seed is going to be able to be replanted into the earth and create a new generation. Why am I saying this? You try cracking that pit, it's not going to work. You put it in the earth, it opens up. That's what Midas HaRachemim is, compassion. When you scream at yourself for being so-and-so, you're not you're not helping it. You may repress it. I was yesterday, I had a conference, I had a Zoom yesterday with a bunch of uh, young women, an organization called My Team that deal with chronic illness. They all suffer from chronic illness. You should have a complete recovery. So the question, so we had a schmooz. So the question that came up was, can they be angry? They have a lot of anger, you know, anger towards life, towards God, towards whoever. And they want to know if they, if they can be angry. So <laughs> I told them, I said, here's the rule in life. Yeah, If you're angry, if you're upset, and I tell you, you're not allowed to be upset, you're not allowed to be angry. Is that going to make you less angry? <laughs> Did that ever happen? Right? It's like when a kid is crying, you say, you're not allowed to cry, stop crying right now. Does it really make him stop crying? I may stop crying out of fear, but do I stop crying inside? If you tell me, you're not allowed to be angry, am I not going to be angry anymore? 
I just won't show it. But inside, I didn't deal with it. On the contrary, it may become even more intensified because there's no outlet. So what's the key? The key is actually to get to the core of it. To be able to see what is behind it. Behind every anger, there's an emotion. Anger is usually a a cover-up emotion. There's usually an emotion that's behind anger. It's usually pain, loneliness. That's what's so important to understand. In other words, by having compassion, the pit, the hardness opens up and you could see what's behind the wound. You could see what's behind, behind these emotions. And you know what? You could see what's behind your detachment. You're not caring. The Alter Rebbe says you need more rachamim. You need deeper rachamim. Midas harachamim goes min hakotza el hakotza. It can go into the lowest, lowest place. Meaning there's no situation when you're so remote that rachamim doesn't apply to you. Right? Sometimes other things don't apply. I may not be able to experience the love, but I can experience compassion. You can always experience compassion. Because if you're so low, or he's so low, or he's or she's so low, or so remote, or so, so difficult, but I can have compassion. Compassion doesn't cover up. Compassion doesn't deny. Compassion doesn't eclipse. Compassion doesn't repress. Compassion doesn't suppress. Compassion just helps us tune in to what is and what is really behind the wound, the scab. And he says medically it would be like reconnecting the head to the body. So I get an email as follows. After listening to your lesson this morning, this is yesterday, it brings back an exercise I had here at work. I happen to be a chaplain at a maximum security prison with death row. Naturally, it's part of my responsibility to notify inmates when a family member has passed away. One day I received a call regarding a tragedy. A young family of three was traveling in their car on a two-lane highway when a wide-loaded tractor-trailer approached from the opposite direction. The family's car hit the wide-load trailer, spun out of control and exploded, killing the entire family in a ball of flames. After verifying the tragedy, I went to the inmate's unit I had him escorted to an office that we would have the opportunity to talk. The officers that escorted him brought him to me shirtless. I take a look and I see that his body was covered in tattoos of SS lighting bolts, swastikas, and a picture of Adolf Hitler. You can only imagine what was going through my mind. However, I kept a straight face. I proceeded as if I was not judging. I shared a story. I offered comfort. I brought the inmate to tears. His hands were in restraints and shackles, so I wiped his eyes. In the end, all he could say as he was leaving was, 
Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Wishing you the blessing of being the mirror so that we may reflect the light of Hashem onto the world. Signed by a man named Menachem. This is his experience. What he was trying to tell me, I assume, I assume what he was trying to tell me was that sometimes there are situations where you just want to write off a person completely. Completely. And you have good reason for it. Imagine what this rabbi, it could be a Chabad rabbi or a rabbi, I don't know, he didn't tell me who he is. I mean, he wrote his name, but he didn't tell me any details. This rabbi, Orthodox Jewish rabbi, you know, seeing this shirtless inmate in the prison where he happens to be a chaplain, we can understand the disgust, a Jew, swastikas, Hitler, SS, light bolts. But even in such a person who has fallen to such depths, sometimes, sometimes, one can, one can have compassion. And that itself can sometimes change a person. Wow. He didn't, he didn't write why he's writing this letter to me, but I assume that, was, that, that is what he was trying to say. Let's go further. Okay. So, if you haven't opened the source sheets, this is a good time to do it. We're still on page 64, on the bottom of the page. Um, Lamed Base column 3, if you have a look at the Torah. If you're joining us on Zoom, if you're joining us on theyeshiva.net, if you're on YouTube, you can go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net, and open up the class of Tuesday, and you shall see the source sheets. You have it below the video. You can download it or above the video. You can view it. Okay, page 64. Eight lines from the bottom. The line begins, Atzeres. It's the middle of a parenthesis, speaking about if in medicine we would have had the ability to reconnect the head to the body. And he continues, Va'afilu chayavi krisis dixiv Therefore, even Jews who are liable with for kares, kares means cut off. The Torah says the soul will be cut off, which is seemingly this condition. When you're cut off from your source, and when the nail is cut off from the source, it's not connected to the body, the body is not connected to it, and you can't feel the pain of that nail. So when I am completely detached from the source, there's no way that I'm feeling the pain of the Shechina, which is in Galus, because I'm detached from the Shechina. I'm cut off. And if I'm cut off, there's nothing to feel. Well, what should I feel? I'm not part of it anymore. So the Shechina may be in Galus, but I'm not feeling it. So the Alter Rebbe says, this is where you really need Rachamim. I may not know the how I may not be able to feel compassion for me. But you understand the situation, so let me have a taste of your compassion. So he says, even a Jew who's high of Kares, and it says that his soul is cut off. Nonetheless, as he explains in a later Mimer, called Shir Hamalos Bimamakim Krasich Hashem, which is also in Rosh Hashanah, look at the Torah Rosh Hashanah, that even that Jew, even that Jew, yes, consciously there's a cutoff, but there's still a connection. 
On this the Pasuk says, we all know this Pasuk, we say it every day in Elul. David HaMelech says in chapter 27, My father and mother have abandoned me, but God took me in. So what does this represent? Sometimes a situation with my father and my mother, which spiritually represents Chachma and Bina, the spiritual forces, the spiritual energy of Chachma and Bina, my father and mother have abandoned me. I don't feel that conscious connection of awareness. There's no awareness. Avi ve'imi, the two levels of awareness, the awareness of Chachma, which is the epiphany, the conception of an idea, and the awareness of Imi, which is comprehension, Bina, the understanding of an idea, have both let me go. They have abandoned me. In other words, consciously, I am detached. But still, Hashem Yasveini. Hashem himself, beyond awareness, beyond consciousness, is still connected to me. Never ever give never ever give up hope on yourself or on somebody else. Never. Because even if the trauma is so deep that I don't feel it, the trauma is so deep that I am so detached that I'm not bothered by the fact that I'm detached. What it just means is that the pain is deeper, the wound is deeper. And therefore I need more compassion. Much more compassion. Ah, the Al-Tareb is Ah, the Al-Tareb is Now he doesn't, doesn't, you know how you see the MS of something. He doesn't stop. Very often, okay, the Maim already discussed two types of people. The person who cares about being in the desert and the field, and the person who doesn't care. But he doesn't stop. Because what we're looking is, remember, the king is in the field. He wants to meet everybody. So the Alter Rebbe won't stop. He also wants to meet everybody where they are. So he says, Listen to a question of the Alter Rebbe. If even this doesn't help, <laughs> even after this whole maimah, <laughs> you got to love this line. After everything. The guy is so detached that he's detached, and I'm telling you, I'm telling him, have compassion. I don't care, you don't get it. Dr. Rebbe says, this doesn't mean anything to me. The midas rachmanas hanal, this midas rachamim, also won't be triggered, it won't be aroused. In other words, he doesn't even have that minimum level of awareness to be able to be aroused by compassion for himself. Do you understand the matzav? This is the question he raises. What now? What now? So there's I don't care. There's I don't care that I don't care. There's I don't care that I don't care that I don't care. And then there is I don't care that I don't care that I don't care that I don't care and I don't care about that either. So he There's another piece of advice. The he if the pasa continues my doidi shepherds in Sheshanim, among the, among the roses. Uh, a Sheshan is a rose. Pirush B'Zoyar, so it says in Zoyar, and he, it's a Machzadik, says in parentheses, Shmois Daf Esrem. It's Zoyar, Parish Shmois, page 20. Now, he could have said Shmois Daf Chav, that's usually what he says. But he's trying to indicate something. Esrem. Gematria Keser. 
מה שושנס הפך מגוון סומוק לגוון חיוור על ידי אישו דה זוירסס. Just as a rose is transformed through a fire from the color red to the color white. So the idea of הרויה בשושנם is כך, הנה כסיב דה פוסק זה מי יחתכם כשונם כשל לגלבינו. If your sins will be as scarlet red, they can always become bleached and whitened like snow. Sin is often associated with redness, with the color red. That's what the Pasuk says. Even if your sins are sharp scarlet red, they can become white like, like snow. The same is true all behaviors. All words and even all thoughts and everything connected to the world in a way that's not aligned with the true source, with Hashem, it's also called red. Because all those thought, these thoughts are thoughts that come from the Yetzirah, from the Yetzirah, from the, <coughs> excuse me, negative inclination and his schemes, Tachbuloisav means his schemes. You know, there's different levels of thoughts. There's thoughts and schemes. So he says, it's all part of the redness. I'm sorry, All of the red of the rose can be transformed into whiteness through heat, through the scorching heat. So the Zohar says, the reason we say, Hashem is roya b'shoshanim, he shepherds in the roses because the Zoyer says the rose, if it's scorched with heat, it's transformed from red to white. So the Alter Rebbe says, this is a metaphor for the person, that all the redness in me, meaning all that which is red in me, which he's translating here as any type of thought or word or action that is misaligned with the sores is called red, but there is a fire that can transform it. There's a heavenly fire and there's an earthly fire. Not everybody can merit a fire that comes from above. Sometimes you have that. There's a fire that comes from above and takes your redness, takes your red roses and metamorphosizes them into white roses. That's a fire that comes from above and it literally transforms the fabric of, chemis- of, of, of the chemistry. What's the fire below? This is the person challenging the body. The Alter Rebbe uses here the word which is fasting or various uh, mortifications which diminish one's fat and blood. Which come from what's called klipas nege, translucent shell, kanal, and then the person can experience the light of Hashem, the light that we spoke about, yoyer Hashem Hashem the king in the field. So what Al Rebbe is saying here, it's important to mention that in the Tanya he says that even though in the, in the older generations fasting and mortifying the body was an acceptable route and an acceptable path. But nonetheless, as the generations progressed, Talter Rebbe writes this in Igeris HaTshuva and Tanya, one should replace it with giving tzedakah or similar things because he says that today 
the path of fasting frequently is inappropriate because the bodies are not susceptible, are not vessels for it, are not uh, are, are are not on a level where they can handle it, and it usually weakens people's spirits and weakens people's passions. Uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe also would often quote us and say that in our generations, the primary work has to be with the body, not to crush and, and repress the body. But what's the point he's making here? The point is the same. The point is the same always. And that is, literally, and it's a fascinating idea, he's saying, you're saying you don't care. There's too many blockages. You have to be able to pierce through those blockages. And what he's saying here is, I really have to challenge my body. I have to challenge him. What would that mean practically? What that would mean practically is that the person literally has so many dense layers that they can't feel what's going on in themselves. That's why he says that you need a fire to burn this rose and transform it from red to white. So he says, I have to diminish my fat. <laughs> Literally, Chelboy is my fat. I have to diminish, look who's talking. I have to diminish my fat in order to be able to reveal my soul. You know, sometimes when there's a lot of fat, physically, it's blocking what's inside of it. So spiritually also, when a person is a glutton and a person is a zoilu v'soiva and completely uh, uh, dominated by my external instincts, not by my inner energy, so what happens is my whole inner self becomes eclipsed. So the Alter Rebbe says, in this situation, don't worry about it. You do care deep, deep down. <laughs> if not, I guess you wouldn't be learning the Mimer. You, you have a connection. Just on the surface, you're so disconnected that you don't even feel that you're disconnected. We got that. So even if the Rachamim that we spoke about can't help, there's another path in addition to that. And what's that other path? You really have to work with your body to be able to open it up more. Now, this is a fascinating idea. Somebody says, does this include exercise? Does this include exercise? So I think the Rambam says in Hilchas Deyes, the body being healthy and wholesome is part of serving Hashem. So anything that causes the body to be wholesome and healthy allows it to be a conduit to fulfill Hashem's will. So there was a path where people used to fast a lot and do various mortifications, and without that, that's what the Rebbe is saying, because you're challenging the body, basically. You're really trying to crush your, your husk, your shell, your blockage. You're trying to crack the nut. <laughs> you're trying to crack the walnut, you know? That's what you're trying to do. You want to open yourself up. As I said before, that the Rebbe used to say a lot, that today, Segufim and Tainius are usually inappropriate for most people because they have the opposite effect. When you start mortifying your body and fasting, you don't have energy, you become tired, you become exhausted, you become angry, and it has the opposite effect of the Maimer. So you really have to know in each generation what that means. Could that mean for some people certain rhythms with the body, exercises with the body? I think, yeah, I think that's included in that. You want to be able to open up your body. The fascinating thing today is that we're learning more and more that all trauma is locked up in the body. The body keeps the score. Sometimes it's literally trapped in the body and it needs a release. And what is trauma if not, if not literally eclipsing the wound and causing your inner creativity, your inner love to get stuck and to become paralyzed and covered up by that trauma so that I'm operating from a very restrictive place. 
from a very narrow place. And when I can open it up and there could be some release, my deeper self, my child-like self, my innocence, my inner child can emerge. And that's what he's saying as, as his last remedy. He's saying we have to go to the body. That's where it is. That's where, that's where, that's where your Aveda is. It's trapped. We have to be able to release it. This means I have to look at how I eat. That's what he's saying. You have to look how you eat. If I would just eat and eat and eat and my fat and my blood grow, it's, it's, it's covering up on the inner godliness. I have to focus on it. So he speaks about fasting here, but the Rebbe used to say it's not so much about quantity fasting. It's about how you eat, what you eat, and most importantly, how much I eat, and the meditation, the awareness of when I eat. It's how I treat my body. It's generally getting through the outer layers and opening myself up to the inner energy. And he says, and then the light will come out. Yoyer Hashem Panovelach. So in summation of chapter 2, he speaks about the idea that there's a need for the search. The search always has to be sham. It has to come from there, from the place where I lost my precious treasure. You can't search somewhere else. That may mean I have to search through my thoughts, my words, my behaviors, my actions. It means I have to search where I'm stuck, where my behaviors are not reflecting my infinite self, where my words are not reflecting my infinite self, where my thoughts are not reflecting my infinite self. Over there, there is a vista, there is an opening to be able to give you awareness, a finding, a finding what is behind that, what, finding the wound and what is behind that wound. And over there you'll be able to find your infinite, your Yisrael. And even if I'm in the desert, I can go meet the king because the king comes out to the field and comes out to the desert. That's number one. Then he spoke about the person who doesn't feel this pain, who doesn't feel at all the Nitzitzelikus that's in Golis. He may search everywhere. There's no compassion that's aroused. There's no awareness of pain. The person may think about these things, but literally, they're not finding any compassion for it. In the first case, he says, You have rachamim on the nitzotzelikos, and that itself liberates it, like Yaakov liberates Avram Avinu, because Yaakov is midasarachamim. And that's because to Misham, but sometimes not. So he says, this is where I'm so cut off that I'm not feeling it, and it requires even more compassion. And even if that doesn't work, the Alter Rebbe says, there's a blockage in my body that I have to pierce through to be able to open up the depth of my soul. We now come to Siv Gimel. Siv Gimel is the last chapter of this Maimer. Thank you so much. Anybody wants to ask a question before I continue to Siv Gimel? That's one of the primary elements of davening, yeah? That's true. Yeah, the Rambam says, as I quoted, the Rambam in Hilchas Deis, chapter 3, and he continues the theme in chapter 4, that the body being healthy and wholesome is one of the ways of serving God. That's a great question. You're saying if a person doesn't really care, 
then why would he care to do any of this, right? <laughs> yeah, so that's what I said in the middle. The fact that this person is learning this mimer means that he does care. <laughs> if I really, really don't care, then I really, really don't care. Then I'm not coming to you for help. I'm not coming to the Alter Rebbe for help. I'm not looking for guidance. Obviously, this person knows that there's something wrong. Why do they know there's something wrong? Maybe, maybe because they see their relationship with their wife is really so uneasy, so difficult. They may see that their relationship with their children is so unnatural. Their children may be showing back to them like a mirror, may be reflecting back to them their own inadequacies, their own incompetence. That wakes people up. <laughs> wakes people up more than everything else. Sometimes I just know that there's a lack of easiness in me. There's something off. There's something misaligned. I can deny it. I can drink. I can smoke. I can be on the web. I can read. I can become a workaholic. I could make money. I can travel the world. Externally, I have a great life. You know, I'm comfortable. I'm having fun. But internally, I'm dead. I'm dying. People know this. So yes, I'm not aware enough of what's happening that I could put my finger on it because if I would, I wouldn't have to run away so much. But this is such a real mimer. That's why it's so powerful. So obviously this is a person who comes to the Alter Rebbe, comes to his teacher and says, you know, help me. <laughs> help me find my light. So that's who he's speaking to. Somebody who really, really, really is dead <laughs> emotionally is not coming to learn the mimer. It's always that way. You're saying, why is healing in my own body? And the answer is because the trauma is stuck in my body. We have to realize that our bodies contain all the secrets of the universe. It's very, very powerful. You remember we learned a few weeks ago, it was the beginning of the month of Av. We learned a sicha by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Lekutei Sichas, volume 23, Menachem of, how we comfort the Father. And we learned how the body is that which God shows even more than the soul, because the soul didn't have to be chosen. The soul is of a different caliber initially. You don't have to choose it. But the body is what was chosen. So the body really contains the secrets of the universe. It first and foremost contains your own secrets, so therefore, it's through the body that a lot can be deeply achieved in a person's life. And when I can have that compassion for myself, I can then have compassion for you and for another person. Because the way we treat ourselves is the way we treat other people. Not just in a technical way, I'm talking about from an emotional perspective. The language I employ with myself is the language I will employ with my children. You understand? It's the language I will employ with strangers. If I can have compassion for my pain, I can have compassion for your pain. If I can have compassion for my experience, for my journey, for my tests, I can have compassion for yours. I can listen to it. If I know how to listen to me, I know how to listen to you. This is so important. I once heard somebody say, if you don't listen to yourself, you could listen to other people. It's not the case, my friends. (laughs) 
If I know how to listen to me, I know how to listen to you. Because I have developed that skill. It's like a muscle. You know, with a muscle, they say use it or lose it. If you don't use your muscle, you lose it. It becomes, it becomes frozen, congealed. The same is true with your soul's muscles. So when there's a muscle that I use, the muscle of compassion, I'm calling it a muscle. It's a muscle that's now used always. When I'm walking and when I'm talking and when I'm breathing and when I'm communicating and when I'm working with people and when I'm meeting people and even when I'm annoyed (laughs) and even when I'm in traffic or in the airport. It's a muscle that's used. When you learn how to talk to yourself, you know how to talk to other people. You know how to listen. You, you, you tune into a certain part of yourself. You can tune into that part of other people. But if I don't know how to do it with me, how am I going to learn to do it with you? Suddenly with you, it's going to become, it's going to come, become, it's going to come magical. You understand? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what he said. Avi ve'imi yazavuni. My father and mother is chachma and bina. V'ashem yasveni is keser. That's what the Tzamech Tzedek says, Zoyher Shmois Daf Esrim. Because Esrim, in my, that's what I think, Esrim is Begamatria Keser. He's saying that this Zoyher comes from page 20. Here you see the meticulousness, even a page, where it's printed. In other words, the fact that it's on page 20, he's emphasizing it. Even though you would think it's a technical thing, no, he's emphasizing it. Daf Esrim. It's interesting. I remember once when I was a yeshiva bacha, the Rebbe was, uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe in the middle of a fabreng, and he quoted a toysvus in Mesech Tepsachim Kuf Tezayin. And he said that the toysvus is on Amit Sheni. It's on Amit Beis. And he explained the significance of Beis versus Aleph. And then I learned that even where a toysvus is placed on Amit Aleph or Amit Beis, even though you would think it's just a technical thing because of the printer, but everything is by divine providence, it also has significance. So you emphasize the fact that it's Zoyar, Shmois, Daf, Esrim is also significant because the connection to Keser is always there. The connection to Keser, which is the superconscious above Chachman Bin, is there. In fact, after this Maimer, there's a, there's a, 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 a concise summary of the Tzamech Tzedek of each chapter. You see Kitzer at the end of the Maimer, and there he says from Kabbalah that Keser is the same letters like Kares. Keser and Kares are the same letters. Interesting. Because I guess even Kares, even when I'm cut off, yeah, you're still connected to Keser. You're still connected to Kesser. Kesser is the crown above the head, the superconscious relationship. That could never be obliterated. And that's the foundation of Chassidus, that that essential relationship is unbreakable. It's indestructible. We now go up to Siv Gimel, the last tickle of the Mimer. Ah. Now everything has to be taken home. If it's not taken home... It's worthless. That's the last point. Dear friend, says the Alter Rebbe, there's one more thing where you have to figure out advice for your soul. What the Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, this is all a mimer based on Shir Hashirim, the Pasuk speaks in Shir Hashirim about the search of the young woman for the young man. 
And she says, Bishvakim ubirichovus avaksha esha ohavanavshi vigoymer. She says, I was looking for the one whom I love, who my soul loves. I searched for him in the marketplaces and I searched for him in the streets. I found every shimer, every every security guard, everybody who was present in the city, in its streets, in its winding pathways, I asked them, did you find, did you perhaps see the one whom my soul loves? I searched everywhere. The Shehashim describes this at length, and then she says, until I found them. I found the one whom my, lo- my soul loves. Achastiv, I held on to him. Veloyer peno, and I would not let go of him. Until I did not bring him to the home of my mother and to the chamber of the one who conceived me. Wow. So the Alter Rebbe is saying, this too, we have to now give advice to our soul. What's the advice? That the Shirashidim describes how you have a deep relationship, but then it eludes you. This one person whom your soul loves disappears. And I'm searching and searching everywhere and asking everybody, have you seen him? Have you seen him? And then I find them. And what do we do then? Don't just say, hi, it's great to see you. Or just give a hug. I hold on to him and I will not let him go. And I brought him into the home of my mother <laughs> and to the chamber of the one who, who Hirasi means the one who, Hirasi means the one who was pregnant with me, the one who begot me. So it's the one who conceived me, the one who gave birth to me. Says the Alter Rebbe, what does this mean? Listen to this. Pirush, she'ohavonafshi bekomatz hulashin kvar, masha'ohava kvar. She'ohava nafshi, ohava means, in, with a comets that my soul loved, my soul always loved. Hainu ki Yisrael alu, it's not a love that's, that's a new love. This is a love that's deeply embedded in me from the days of yore. The Medrash says, The Jewish people, Yisrael, ascended in God's thought. What does this mean spiritually? Yisrael means that the soul of the person is aligned, it has ascended in God's primordial thought. In other words, the relationship is in the deepest, deepest source of the divine. And that's why we say every single morning, which is strange. We say the soul you have given me is pure, you created it, you formed it, you blew it into me one second. The first thing you should have said is, the soul that you have given me, you created it. And then describe its properties. Why do you describe its properties before you tell me that it was created? It was created by you. You should say, You created it, you formed it, you blew it into me, and it's pure. No. First we say that it's pure even before we say that it exists. It can't be pure before it exists. First tell me that it exists, and then tell me what it's like. The Alter Rebbe says, because there's a state in the Neshama which is deeper than Atta Barasa, and that's Tahirihi. Neshama Shunasat to be Tahirihi. The first thing about the Neshama is it's divine, it's Ein Saif. 
Your posture is divine energy. That's what your soul is. Then there's Atabarasa. Then there's the soul assuming the identity of something that's created. So that's why Sha'ahavanafshi. This is the one my soul always loved. My soul is one. And because of this state of the soul, the soul acquired and the soul possesses the Oir Haganos, the hidden light that we spoke about before. The Pasik says in Bereshis, Hashem created the light and he saw that the light was good. And Chazal say in the Zoya that he saw it was good to hide. That's the Oir Haganos, the hidden Ein Soiv that is in every single soul, even if it may not be. Conscious, even if it's lost, even if it's in exile, and even if you feel detached from it, but it's hidden in you, it's inside of you. This is the hidden love canal. As we explained before, Hashem created the light and He saw that it was good to hide in every soul. And this is the idea that my soul loves Him already from the past. In other words, you're searching for something. Don't think that if you don't find him right now, the relationship is over. No, this relationship always was and this relationship always will be and you cannot detach yourself from this relationship. The guards couldn't understand this. The guards are telling her, find a new guy, find a new love. Find the new, the new person. You think he's the only, the Einzike Hevriman in Moskva? There's other people. Go find somebody else. I can't. This relationship is as old as I am. So the Alter Rebbe says, this is a metaphor for every soul. There's an Ur Haganus. There's an Avamisuteris. Sha'ahavanafshi. Yisrael Aldo Machshava Hagduma. There's nothing ever that can obliterate the relationship. However, as we said, this love can be lost. I own it, but it's lost. I don't know where it is. Sometimes it can even be in exile. That's why she says, You have to search for that which your soul loves. Search for it. Don't give up. Don't stop the fight. Search and search. And where do you search? She said, I searched in the streets. I searched in the marketplaces because you have to search in the place where it was lost. You have to go to the fields. You have to go to the deserts. You can't say, I'm going to stay in my palace, in my mansion, and I'm going to search for him over there. That's not where you lost him. You have to search where you lost your Oyhaganus. You have to be able to go to that place. Wow, you have to uncover the wound. Over there is the light. Don't be afraid of your broken places. Don't be afraid of your cracks. That's what allow the light to come in. But now we come to the next step. Even when you found the Aved, you found your lost treasure. The light could never endure without containers. Because whenever you have an energy without containers, what happens is the Hestrab Aaron and Abmaisha, the Hestrab Ayyalaib. Whenever you have energy without containers, you know what happens? The energy, the light will depart. Sometimes a person experiences a major, a major, powerful explosion 
a positive explosion of energy, of Ur. There's an epiphany, there's a lightning that emerges, like a light bulb that goes off in my brain or in my heart or in my soul. I found him. But you found it. And it's an amazing experience. And Alter Rebbe says, but if you don't build an infrastructure, if you don't build containers, if you don't have a keli for the earth, the earth is going to stay for a while, but it doesn't have where to dwell, so it just goes away. Sometimes in life, people come face to face with their inner child. They come face to face with their inner light. It's an incredibly healing moment. But three weeks later, it's gone. Why? There was no kalim. Ah? There was no kalim. We had a whole generation in America that experimented with oir without kalim. <laughs> without kalim. A chassid goes to visit his Rebbe and seeing a Rebbe Seeing a tzaddik is a very powerful experience, especially if you're spiritually sensitive and open. But without kalim, I don't own it. The inspiration comes and it goes. The light shines and then it departs. So therefore, it's not enough I'm searching for the oir. The king is in the field. I open myself up to it. And even if I find it, I found him. I searched and searched and I found him. Not enough. You're going to lose him. You have to hold on and not let go and bring him to the home of your mother. What does this mean? Therefore the aid to the solution is for a person to build containers for the light of the divine. Because infinity needs kalim. If there's no kalim, if there's no vessel, kali is a vessel, a container. If there's no vessel to contain the energy, it comes and it goes. What are these vessels? These are the letters and words of Torah. The house of my mother. I brought him to the house of my mother. This represents Torah. The written Torah. The Tanakh, the Cheder Hayrasi. I brought him to the chamber of the one who 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 conceived me and who carried me, which is my mother. Zu Shabal Peh. This is Ter Shabal Peh. You have base imi and you have Cheder Hayrasi. What's the idea? Ter Shabiksav represents my mother. Ter Shabiksav is what comes from the source, from the Shechina, from Hashem, right? That's base imi. Cheder Hayrasi is the chamber where my mother conceived me, which is the child that comes from my mother, that is still in the mother, and then it comes out. And that's Teresh because Teresh is pregnant, impregnated in Teresh and then it emerges like a fetus, because the Gemara says in Titanus, Lek in Daftes, Lek There's nothing that's not hinted to in the Torah. The whole Teresh is basically revealing what is impregnated in Teresh HaBiksav. It teaches you how to read a Pasuk, how to read a syllable, how to explain an extra word. The whole Teresh HaBalpeh is basically expanding that which is concealed in Teresh HaBiksav. So that's what he says. The house of my mother is Teresh HaBiksav. The room of the one who 
conceived me, that represents Teresh which is conceived by my mother, it's conceived by Hashem, and then it emerges through the Chazal in every generation. So that's where I have to bring the one I love to. I have to hold on to him, but I have to bring him to the home of my mother. He needs Kalim. What's Kalim? Kalim is Torah. Learning Torah. As the Pasuk says, Quoted earlier, Hashem is a consuming fire. What's this metaphor that Moshe Rabbeinu calls Hashem a fire? Earlier the Maimah spoke about the idea that the light that comes from the fire reflects the source. Here the Alter Rebbe says, he doesn't only say he's a fire, he's a fire that consumes. God is a fire. You know what the rule by a fire is? If there's no wick, if there's no log to contain it, the fire is not going to last. You light a fire. It's amazing. There's so much light. There's so much warmth. It's so beautiful. But a few minutes later, the fire is out. Why? No Caleb. There was nothing to contain the fire. The fire needs a wick. The fire needs oil. The fire needs something flammable that will hold it down. So he says, Kach, the Hashem is an Eish Eichlo. You can grasp Him, you can experience Him, but the fire is going to depart. I need to have those structures in my life that will let me hold on to God. That will let me hold on to Sheshav Anafshi. Achastiv, Veloyar Penu, Evasive. And Alter Rebbe says, this is what learning Torah every day does. The letters and words of Torah are like the wicks that contain and create a structure in our world and in our lives for divine infinity. Divine infinity is the core, but you need a keli. You need to be able to hold on to it. All inspiration, all electricity, all hisoirus, all connections, they need kalim. And let's give a very practical example. A person can have an amazing moment in marriage, an amazing day, an amazing week, an amazing vacation, amazing walk, outing, experience, relationship, and it's very powerful. But it doesn't last unless you don't put into the system those structures that seem limiting, but they really hold on to the fire. They continue it. Whatever that means, every day, certain exercises, certain mechanisms, certain things, a couple dust together, a walk or a conversation, whatever it is. What is this in a Jew's relationship with Hashem? This is this is HaTayra. Learning Torah every day. This Torah Shabbat this Torah Shabbat But what happens with learning is, when you learn and you know how to learn, which means you learn with the proper connection and sincerity, learning is the structure to be able to hold on to the light. And that's why when a person stops learning, in the beginning they may not see a major difference, but after a while you see like there's a certain, there's a certain flame that goes out. And he continues, He references a mimer, This too is, He shepherds, in the roses, so the Zoya says Sheshanim comes also from the word Sheshanim, they learn. Kol Hashoyna Halachis, we say in the morning, learning. In other words, Danila Doidi Vidoidili of Elul, 
must translate into the learning. And that's why it's called Haraya. Hashem shepherds. What does it mean he shepherds? A sheep needs a shepherd to be shepherded. The flock has to be shepherded and eat the, eat the grass, the hay. It says in Zoyar that the Jewish people give parnosa, they give sustenance to their Father in heaven. So by learning, we're mefarnes, so to speak, we shepherd our father. What does this mean? Because when a Jew learns Torah, which is really Hashem's will, ruach aisi, ruach v'amshich ruach. So his ruach, or her ruach, his spirit, brings forth, brings forth Hashem's spirit, that you should be able to experience and become a dwelling place and a manifestation of Hashem's inner heartbeat, inner will. Inner, just like when a person eats, what happens? Your soul could connect to your body so that the faculties of your soul should be able to be expansively extended and manifested throughout the limbs of your body. If a person doesn't eat, after a while, there's no tool to be able to connect the soul to the body, and the person can't live. When I eat regularly and in a healthy way, it allows my energy to come into the body and to come into the body in an integrated way. So he says, what's the concept of feeding Hashem? Just like when I feed a person, I let their soul come into their body. Feeding Hashem is a metaphor of allowing Hashem's soul, so to speak, to come into our body, to come into our world. This is the idea of the Jewish people giving parnasa, sustaining, feeding their Father in Heaven. Through Torah, mitzvahs which are His will, and therefore they manifest His soul in our lives and in our world. Our Ruach brings down His Ruach, His Spirit. So that His light and His desire and his inner face is shining and dwelling in my life through these letters of Torah which contain him they contain the fire so what this means is that it's not enough just to find him and the relationship is very powerful very intense just like in a marriage you want it to continue you want that every time you look at each other you should be able to feel the other person's presence and love and connection I don't just want an elusive connection with Hashem on Yom Kippur once in a while there's an explosion of energy I want to hold on to the relationship. He says, in order to hold on to the relationship, you have to be able to feed him. What does it mean, feed him? Haroya, he needs to be shepherded. How? Through learning territory. It's like the food. That brings down the divine in a manifested way so that the relationship is enduring, it's continuous, it's consistent. It's like a marriage that doesn't just have a romantic, explosive, electrical, ele- a great moment filled with electricity, but there's a continuity to it. The relationship continues even in regular days and monotone days and boring days and days where, you know, <laughs> long days you're exhausted, regular chores, but you're connected to the person's inner will. There's a presence that you share. You share your presence with her presence and she shares her presence with his presence. So he says, this is the idea of There's one more keli that we create besides Torah, and that's the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. 
which is basically representative of chesed, the attribute of love and kindness. Chesed is the vessel and the container for the light of love. Love is the inner energy of the keli, which is chesed. Chesed is kindness, kindness in words, kindness in actions, kindness in gestures, kindness in thought. It's the container for the inner light of love. So the Alter Rebbe says there's two great kalim we must create in our lives to hold on to the infinite light. Number one is Torah, and number two is chesed, love, tzedakah. Tzedakah means with money, but tzedakah means with everything, with our soul, with our body, with our mind, with our talents, with our creativity, with our personalities, with our inner heart. This is what we say every day in davening. Ki Every morning in Sim Shalom, with the light of your face, you have given us a living Torah and a love of kindness. Says the Alter Rebbe Peter, what it means is, Listen to how he explains this, the meaning of davening. It's an incredible interpretation. Literally, we translate it, you have given us Torah and love of chesed with the light of your face. He says it's saying much deeper. You want to give us the light coming from your face. But how can we hold on to it? By definition, it's so elusive, it's so transcendent, it's so nebulous and celestial. How do we hold on to it? You want to give it to me, but how do I contain it? So for this, God gives me two things. Torah's chayim and avas chesed. To be able to contain the oir pnei Hashem, panecha, the oir, but the oir by definition departs, it ascends, it's infinite, it doesn't limit itself. So there's two vessels, there's two containers to be able to hold on to the oir pnei Hashem. What is that? Torah's chayim and avas chesed, the Torah of life. And the love of kindness, commission is as explained above. These are the two kalim to be able to hold on to be'er panecha nasatalanu. You have given us the er. You don't just want us to be able to experience it. You want to give it to us as a gift. Again, the metaphor of marriage. You don't just want to have moments that are amazing and tranquil and transformative. You want to be able to have the continuous presence throughout all the days of your life that when you look at each other, you feel that the person is fully present in this relationship. You're here for me a thousand percent and you feel that I'm here for you a thousand percent. And you could just see it in the person's face. When they see your face, there's a light that they see and therefore there's a light that you see. It works both ways. That's the idea of Yoyer Hashem Ponavelecha which he said in the beginning of the Maimah. I don't just want to be with you. I want to see your face. I want to see your light. I want that. The infi- I want to be Yisrael. I want to live up to Yisrael that infinity should rule me. Sar Kel, the Kel should be the Sar. And that's uniquely available in Elul. As a preparation for Shoshana and Yom Kippur when the king is in the field, before he's going to the palace. But he says, after you find him, you need to hold on. You got to bring him to the home of your mommy. And you got to bring him to the chamber of your mommy. That's Teresh Bixav and Teresh And it's Teresh Chayim and Avas Chesed. 
This concludes the Maimer Ani Ledoidi Roshetevis Elul. Those of you who uh, have time, and even if you don't have time, this is a Maimer that it's worth that is worthwhile to review again and again and again. After this, there's a kitsi. You see, there's kitsi medibra maschal anila doidi. It's, we're not going to learn it inside because of time constraints, but this is a concise, abbreviated summation of the maimer written by his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek. And it teaches you when you finish a maimer, this is very important, because people learn, they hear concepts, it's nice, a good story, a good joke. But really, you always need kalim. When you finish learning, you always have to have kalim. So this, if you learn this kitzer, this abbreviated summation of the Tzemach Tzedek, he shows you how every chapter you have to be able to summarize in just a few lines to make sure you get the point, summarizing the whole discussion. And he does this with every chapter. You see, Aleph, Bez, Gimel, Dalet. This is the kitzer that the Tzemach Tzedek writes. He even adds a few points to clarify that don't say in the Maimur itself, but the Tzemach Tzedek. As he was writing the kits, he, he has, had his own flow of consciousness. He adds a few details. Okay, question. One of the Rebbe Learning this morning feels like an exercise in the point of the Mimer's conclusion. You help us access the light and guide us to give it kalim, to make that light real and grounded in our lives. Teres Chaim and Avas Chesed. Thank you for another beautiful and uplifting Mimer. Thank you. It's a privilege of having you here with us. But that's really such an important point. To be able to exercise this skill, this muscle of not just accessing the light, but always giving it kalim. That is so, so important. First, I have to access it, but then I have to give it Kalim. Another question. What does it mean, Roya B'Sheshanim? Literally, it means Roya is a shepherd. A shepherd who shepherds the flock, the sheep, the goats, the oxen, the horses, whatever it is, the animal, the mammals that graze in the grass. They graze among the flowers, among the lilies, among the roses. They graze among the lilies. So, Doidi is also shepherding, grazing among the roses. So the question is, why does Hashem have to graze? He has to eat? So he says, yeah, the Jews feed him through sheshanim, sheshanim alachas, through learning Torah, we feed him. What do we mean we feed him? God needs to be fed? Yes. What does it mean God has to be fed? Food brings the soul into the body. When we learn Torah, we create the vessels that bring the light into the world. You get it? It's like the structures in a marriage that allow the presence of the husband and the wife to be manifested in the relationship, rather than just being a robotic relationship. We're always connected to God, but it could be robotic. It's not conscious. It's not felt in a conscious way. So there's certain methods, this kalim, that roya b'sheshanim, it allows God to be fed, meaning that His light can be manifested in the body, within ourselves, within the world. And we do that through sheshanim, which the Zoya says is sheshanim, they learn. Next question. She's saying, what if I don't know where I lost it? I don't know where to look. I lost my key somewhere. I don't know where. It's lost somewhere. Right? But I don't even know where I lost it. I feel the pain. I don't know what's the source of my pain. Okay. So, 
you're saying something powerful. I feel the pain, but I don't know the source of it. I really don't know the source of it. So I think in this case, we really need support. We, we need help from somebody to be able to help us get closer to it. Um, it all begins, though, as he puts it, to be able to look at our behaviors and our words and our thoughts. That's where it begins. That's where we begin that search. To really be able to look into what is going on in our system, how I speak, how I think. Because the thoughts that are coming up will often hold the clue. What type of thoughts are coming up into me? Yeah. And how are they being translated into my actions and into my words? So that's the beginning of it. And that often can hold the clue for it. However, we often, I think, need support for this. Support means, you know, each of us has our blind spots. I can't always see what's going on. So it's so important to be able to have somebody or some people in my life who obviously are sensitive and empathetic and wise and trustworthy and confident and, and confidants whom I can trust with this, you know, whatever that means in a person's life. The Mishnah says, acquire a teacher, a mentor, acquire, acquire a friend. What that means, you know, my mentor, my coach, my friend, my therapist, my, uh, my spouse, my, my, my teacher, my rabbi, my rebetzin, my mashpia, my, my therapist, whatever, whoever it is, or a few people who help guide me to be able to find my lost treasure. But in my thoughts, words, and actions, I will begin to find the clues. Somebody asks a question as follows. How do you inspire in others the apathy of not caring for godliness? In other words, if they're so apathetic, how can you inspire them? You know, I think we can't force somebody to be inspired but we could show a living example of an inspired life and we can always have compassion and empathy for them. And when we do, without judgment and by being a living example, very often it's the greatest power to be able to help somebody else. But ultimately everybody is on their own journey and there's certain things people have to reach on their own. I could do the best I can, but I can't force a reaction from you and I have to be able to accept that. I want to elaborate on what you spoke about when it came to the pit of the peach. And this comes from Rabbi Avigdor Miller of Blessed Memory. The principle of utilizing auto-suggestion will bring you to greatness in many areas, not only this. For example, when you see a peach pit lying on the ground, like I saw today, you have to start saying the following, this peach pit, this peach pit on the ground is a remarkable phenomenon. The peach pit is very hard. You can't open it up. Inside there's a seed. That seed is very valuable because it's needed to plant another peach tree. That's why it's so hard to protect it from animals, to protect it from people. The pit is so hard that even with a hammer, you can't always open it up. 
Nothing in the peach tree is as hard as the shell of the peach pit. It's the hardest part of the tree. Now you can see the hand of God in the peach pit. God wants the tree to develop another peach tree. So he made the pit so hard. Now think about that. You say it one time and it makes no impression. But if you think about this, why is it so hard? Each time you see a peach pit, why is it so hard to save the seed inside it in order that it could create another tree? So now when you see a peach pit again, it comes natural for you to say it again, to think about it. And you know what? It enters your mind. And when you see a peach pit, it brings you divine awareness. And you realize the next step, when you take that pit and you put it into the ground, it begins to open up by itself. You don't need hammers. You don't need pressure. You don't need to scream at it. It just opens up by itself and the seed is revealed. The seed falls into the earth and a peach tree begins to grow. How does this happen? How? The answer is that the two halves of the pit are pasted together with a wonderful formula, with a paste, a wonderful paste that will not yield to water and not yield to the banging of a hammer. Water won't destroy it, a hammer won't destroy it, but it yields to the fungi and bacteria in the soil. Is that not heavenly? Is that not godly? A hammer can't get rid of it. Water can't get rid of it. But the fungi and bacteria in the soil, ah, it can't resist. The paste opens and the seeds fall out. The first time you hear yourself saying this, maybe it makes a small impression. But when you think about it again and again, these are all the details of creation that allow us to be able to see and have an awareness of Hashem. But it's something you have to work on. And he goes on to discuss this at length from the works of Rabbi Avigdor Miller. Thank you. It's really fascinating. It's amazing. Question. Hashem also has his light. But his light also needs vessels to have an impact. That's why it says in Kabbalah that God created vessels to contain his light. And for the light to have an impact. And that's what we call creation. So is that the reason why we speak about the light and the vessels? Yes, exactly. The vessels contain, the vessels limit, the vessels structure, the vessels mitigate. Next, what a perfect timing, Rabbi. I woke up one of these days and I felt that I almost lost my strength. I'm getting into starting to learn Torah. When you say Torah, what does Torah mean? Is it Bereshis? Because I feel like I'm losing my grip. I open a certain chapter in Psalms. It makes me cry whenever I read it. It helps me. I hold on to it. I start reading the rest of the Torah as a tool for growth and maintenance. Is this a good direction? I am a beginner. Please share this with me. Please share with me the answer. Wow. Yeah. You see, sometimes a person opens a Tehillim and they start crying. Some of us read Tehillim for many years and, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily move us. So sometimes we could learn a lot from beginners. We can all be a beginner. We can all be beginners. The bottom line is as follows. When we say the word Torah, in a broad sense, it captures the entire Judaic literature, which is known as Judaism or Torah. Narrow, a narrow definition of Torah are 
the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. A broader definition are the 24 books of the Hebrew Bible. The Torah, the Pentateuch, the prophets and the writings. A broader definition of Torah includes also the oral tradition, the Mishnah, the Talmud, the codes of Jewish law, the commentaries on Talmud, the responsa, and the various books that were written on Judaism and Jewish teachings and Torah throughout the generations, which include books on law, books on ethics, Midrash, books on biblical commentary, mysticism, Jewish philosophy, Jewish spirituality. So really, when you say the word Torah, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of books. I don't think any discipline in world history has so many books written on it like the Torah. In other words, you have books on medicine, you have books on psychology, you have books on science, physics, mathematics, etc. They all have an amazing number of books, especially today, 2021. But I don't think anything comes close in sheer quantity, I'm talking about quantity now, to the number of books we have on Torah. And it's throughout the generations, and it still continues. The first book we have is, of course, the five books of Moses that come from times of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah. And then it continued throughout. Jewish people are called the nation of the book. Great question. So yes, continue learning. You're always welcome to these classes. And you have in our archive here on the website, you have quite a few classes, a few thousand classes. And you could follow us and be with us. And it's a pleasure to have you, uh, Eva. I hope you feel welcome. And uh, I'm very glad that you're here. And thank you so much for your question. The Alter Rebbe says that the, two, the second vessel is love, kindness. What's the source for that? The first one is the source, Haraya B'Sheshanam. What's the source for the second idea? Well, he says from Davening, Ki For us to be able to hold on to your light, we need those two things. Wishing everybody a wonderful inspiring, meaningful day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.